Hello and welcome to the Talking Bible Podcast. Um, this is episode 13, oh, 13 episodes in. Um, today we are going to be talking about the prodigal son. Uh, last week and for two weeks, we took a little hiatus um, talking about culture and whatnot and uh, how it affects the church. Um, and yeah, today we're going to take a look into the parables. Um, Nathan, Nathan will get into the context and then read it shortly, but before we do that, we're just going to take a moment to pray. Um, yeah. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are always present, that you are always here, and that you are always speaking to us, Lord. And we just ask that you would... Um, come into this place and that you would just fill us with your spirit so that we can speak your word clearly the way that you would have us speak it, Lord. And uh, I just ask that you would bless the listener, um, just that you would give them revelation on this particular piece of scripture um, and that this would affect the way that they live their lives, Lord. Um, We just thank you that you have given your word to us as a witness to your glory, Lord, And we just pray that it would be more and more spread, that there would just be people translating it and giving it to giving it to the world, Lord. We just ask that you would you would just keep on spreading this good word, keep on spreading this good news, Lord, so um, that your name would be proclaimed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So basically to start off, I just want to give a brief context of, of what's going on here. So we're in Luke 15 today, um, and the the first the first piece that you need to know is like who the audience is that Jesus is telling these parables to, and he is surrounded by tax collectors, sinners, and then the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and uh, and so he shares a total of three three parables. We're not we're not going to share all three of them. We're just going to go over the parable of the lost son, uh, but. Before the parable of the lost son, Jesus shares a uh, two two other parables. The first one is about a sheep that gets lost, and the second one is about a lost coin. That uh, it's like one out of ten coins, or sorry, there's one coin that's lost out of ten. And basically, we're seeing the the father's heart towards these um, lost items mm-hmm. and or, or you know lost sheep and and lost coin. It shows the value that that God sees and and the celebration that is there when when they're found and. And it's just, it's basically, um, the entire piece is just sharing this kind of, it's a, re, a slight rebuke against, not slight, it's it's a rebuke against the, the Pharisees. Um, but today we're just going to be going over the parable of the lost son. We might touch on a couple of the other, the other two parables, but uh, I'm going to go into it. So we're starting at verse 11 and it says, uh, so Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, because he has him back and safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, it, well, but when this son of yours, who's, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father, said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we, had, uh, but we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. A lot to cover in this in this. Uh parable yeah and i think one thing we should maybe say is that brayton and i might be a little bit uh it's not that we're we're off on on the way that we're interpreting it we just had two different perspectives that we were reading it as yeah uh, i really when i'm reading this obviously so many people think of this as like oh i'm the prodigal son you know and (laughs) but uh, you know honestly like i see myself as both sons at times yes and so I, I, the place that I, the perspective that I'm coming from isn't the actual context of Jesus kind of rebuking the Pharisees. And that's, that's, uh, I think that, uh, Brayton Moore took that, took that perspective and I'm, I'm excited to get into it because we might have a little bit of disagreement a little bit here. For the first time <laughs> on the Talking Bible Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, do you want to, should we go through just section by section? I think just maybe paragraph by paragraph and just kind of break it down. Well, I kind of want to just, just give a little bit more context okay. Jewish mm-hmm. tradition okay. and all of those those things um so I mean just the fact that this is a super cool super cool parable it's probably one of the most widely known parables yeah. um, that Jesus has ever taught um and its effect on society is shown I mean there's a very famous painting called the prodigal son by by Rembrandt um, there's a song called Prodigal Son by the Rolling Stones that people might have heard. Um, there's been musicals, movies, uh, you know, just the, the idea, you know, this, this, the parable, what, what Jesus is teaching here has obviously affected, um, you know, the people creating these things and society just in general um, to those who have heard it. Um, and it's interesting because it's only mentioned in one gospel. Um, that one one parable mentioned in one gospel had could have such an effect, and I think the reason is just like what, what we were saying before. Everybody sees themselves in the prodigal son, yeah. so it's something that somebody can relate to, yeah. Um, which makes it so powerful mm-hmm. is when people are able to put themselves in the shoes of of somebody at this time, um, then. You know they're able to really grasp hold of the ideas, even though this, you know, 
the the idea that they grab a hold of might not have been the you know the oomph behind the story. I mean, like when we grab hold of the prodigal son and just like, oh, I was this, and yeah. then now I'm this. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm clothed in his majesty and all of these things. Yeah. There's there's two um, integral climaxes in the story. Um, and it's funny that we both took the other, the other, like we both took the, the, the two options, like one, we were both on different pages. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on where it was directed to. Yeah. Um, but both of them have the same, both of the approaches, both of the climaxes of the story have the same meaning, which is that God gives abundantly. God gives abundant grace indiscriminately to both parties, Mm. um, which is really, really cool. Um, So a little bit more background just on the the weight of this son coming to the father um, and saying, give me uh, the share of the estate that falls to me, my inheritance. Um, So if you go back to the fifth commandment, um, which is honor your father and mother, that was held sacred in Jewish society, sacred. Like there's this, there's this one story. I was listening to it on a podcast. Um, I believe it was, it was, you know, theology and apologetics podcast. And he was talking about this, this traditional Jewish story where, um, there was this family who had this precious stone and this, and the high priest wanted to buy it. Um, and, they came, there was, there was these, these priests that came to the door the, and uh, they offered him like 60 years worth of wages for the stone. But it was, it was the son that came to the door um, and he said no. And then they came back later and said, we'll give you 80 years, you know, like just a crazy amount of money for this stone because he wanted to put it on his ephod, which was the tablet um, that had all of these stones um, that the high priest would wear. And he said, no. And then they came back the next day and then um, they said, why didn't you accept the offer? And the reason was because um, the father had the possession of the stone and he he would not wake him up. He would not wake him up. The, the father had, his, had the stone under his pillow and the kid would not wake him up because it would be a dishonor to his father if he woke him up. That would be disrespectful. Um, so you have to realize that there is an immense, um, there is an immense sense of respect that one feels in the Jewish culture towards his father and mother, which I think should be emulated in our culture, but oh, really yeah. just isn't. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to to be fair, the the the. The, I mean, the Ten Commandments. That's, I think that it yeah. just in and of itself is sacred to to the Jewish, yeah. Jewish people. I, 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 but I do think that it's integral to the story. Thinking yeah. of the of that, yeah. And essentially, the the there's there's this idea of honor, honoring your father and mother, mm-hmm. um, where and you're dignifying them. You're dignifying your father and mother, um, giving them the respect that is due because they brought you into the world. Um, so, you know, in a, in an applicable sense, um, to the, to the Jews, it would mean making sure that your parents are fed, clothed, not disrespected, you know, when they get older, when they're not able to, you know, 
um, take care of themselves. Take care of themselves. Yeah. You are in an applicable sense. You are the one who is then taking care of your mother and father. But it, it would even go past death um, to the point where people, uh, if you spoke ill of your father and mother, like there was serious judgment that you would face. You know, because you are destroying the legacy that your mother and father had built by speaking ill of them. Hmm. Um, That's pretty interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's this this immense weight on respecting your father and mother that is in this in the Jewish culture at this time. So when you get in the beginning of the story where it said uh, the younger of them said to his father, which the younger is the one who is not receiving like the the double portion. Hmm. Right. He's the one, you know, he's not the firstborn son. The younger said to him, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Essentially, what this kid is saying is, you're not dying fast enough, so give me the money that you owe me. Hmm. You know, so you get this sense of this kid who disrespects his parents and, and, and his father in a way that is like, I wish you were dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and you know, any father's response in that, in, in that time, right. Um, would be, you know, the right response would be to discipline your child (laughs) and, and make him know his place. Right. But the father, you know, the loving father, he gives it to him. Yeah. He does what he asks. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's super interesting because you get the sense that, you know, they're in a in a in an agrarian society. Um, word probably travels pretty fast, you know, around this area. Um, but you also have to understand that in this agrarian society, which is where most Jews uh, lived, they wouldn't have cash on demand. I think what everybody gets is like they, you know, you have you have the wealth, right? You have the wealth on demand. There's an ATM. You can just go grab gold or whatever they had in that time period. But no, your 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 wealth was established based upon your assets. So um, his estate would would mean his land. So the land that he owned, he would have to sell. Um. So, uh. Then you ask the question, well, why did he have ownership of the land in the end? Well, if he sold the land, if he sold the inheritance to his sons, um, you wouldn't be able to turn over the land until um, the father was dead. So that would that's a Mishnaic law as well. Um, so yeah, uh, this is kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but it has it has a point. Um, so this the son, what he is asking of the father is extremely rude, and it is, it is not honoring him. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this ridiculous request, mm-hmm. essentially. But the father honors it, even though it's, like, at the detriment of his, you know, honor, of his, of, you know, all of these things. Like, right. um, so, yeah. Uh, and the fact that the son initiates it. So another thing in Mishnaic law is like you're not supposed to give your inheritance until um, like it's it's faux pas to give your inheritance before you die. Um, but in certain scenarios, uh, the father can initiate that. In certain special circumstances, the father can initiate that. 
But it, the fact that the son is initiating that is even worse. Like that's like he's going essentially against the law, you know, saying, give me my inheritance. <laughs> yeah. Super, super interesting. Just in the first, in the first two verses, there is so much being explained right now. Yeah. And it would come naturally to those who are living in Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. But um, we really don't get that that explanation. Yeah. Um, because we're living in a totally different culture yeah. where there's, you know, not as much placed upon honoring your father and mother and um, inheritances and, yeah. and all of these different laws. But the Pharisees would have gotten this, right? They would have been like, oh my gosh, this son, he's yeah, totally evil, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would start like, rustling, that was my ruffling son. some feathers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they, they, I'm sure. But yeah. Just in the, so in that, in that first section, the way that I was, I mean, I, I, if, if, if there was ever a parable that described me to the T, it would have been this <laughs> one, but, uh, that's, and that, I think that's probably, probably why I wasn't, I wasn't really able to separate myself from the stories because I can apply this so much to my life. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, God, I, I was, when I thought of the inheritance, I was just thinking of the promises that like, and I, I can't, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know what God has spoken over their life. Um, I believe that I'm going to get married one day. And when I was going off and I wanted to have sex before I was, before I was married and, and do all of these things, I took it into my own hands and I took it out of the father's hands and his plan for me, not trusting in what he had planned for me. And that's, that's really where I was, you know, I'm, I have that introspection, I guess, with, with looking at my own life and making my own, my own mistakes where yeah. the father let me, the father mm-hmm. let me go my own way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't like he stopped me from, from doing the things that I wanted to do or, or, you know, from the drugs and the drinking and the, the issues that I had, he didn't stop me from doing those things. Yeah. Um, and, but, but, and this is just from the first section, you know, I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, you got to like, <laughs> you just see a reflection of yeah. yourself. I mean, and, and, so, yeah. and so that's where I was having the difficulty of separating myself from the context of the story. Cause who is he, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees. Yeah. I, I understand that he's talking to the Pharisees, but I, I, I have a it's, real, personal. it's personal. Yeah. It's very, it's very personal for me. Yeah. And I think it is for a lot of people who go through this passage because, you know, there's so many people who go their own way. I mean, you know, I, in a sense, I went, I went my own way. You know, I did what I want. Yeah. I wanted, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to church. I didn't commune with people because I thought I was over it and everybody else was just stupid. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah. And it's I'm gonna, really, I, really relatable. And I'm not going to stop there. Like as we go, as we're going through, I'm, I'm probably just going to let you go through the context, like the actual context, because <laughs> I, I'll eventually get to get to whatever I was thinking when I was reading through this. But um, I'm actually really excited about going through this. Yeah. Um, so then you go on to the next verse, uh, verse 13, where it says, "Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living." Um, so that is really, really jam packed with a lot of stuff. So not many days later. So especially if you're thinking of assets, you know, your money being obtained through assets, it would be things owned, right? So in order to obtain his inheritance, um, also wait, we totally, we totally missed something. Um, let's, let's, pause there and then go back to 12. Uh, 
So he divided his wealth between them. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people think that, oh, the, the son's getting upset because, um, you know, he didn't get his in- inher- inheritance, but the, you know, the younger son got his. Um, when uh, it says, so he divided his wealth between them, um, he's not talking about just the younger son receiving his inheritance. Um, both of the sons receive their inheritance, uh, which is really glossed over by a lot of people. But that sets it up for more of the story. Later on, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant, in a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Um, so... Not many days later, you get a sense that these assets were sold quickly. So what you usually would do in order to sell things and sell them quickly so you can get money off of them is sell them for less than they're worth, Mm -hmm. right? So this father is selling his estate, which, um, you know, I'm guessing he built up, he cultivated the land, he did all of these things, and he's selling his estate... Um, all of these things that he built up, and he built a a uh, a a you know added wealth to them because there's there's added uh, benefits um, to this land now because he cultivated it, he built a house on it, all of these different things, and he's selling them for less than they're worth so he can get the inheritance for the sons. Um, so that's kind of the picture that I got when reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the younger son gathered everything together and then went on a journey into a distant country. Um, so yeah. it's not a country that is Israel. Um, and you you get that when, when later in the story it says that uh, he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. So you knew this country was a country of Gentiles because in Hebrew culture, uh, pigs were unclean. Uh, and you couldn't be around them or else you would be ceremonially unclean. Um, and so he leaves to go to a Gentile country. Yeah. That's, that's something that's very, very important. He left home. He left Israel so that he could leave and go somewhere where there would be things of all sorts that wouldn't be allowed in Israel. Um, right. I know later in the story it says that the, the brother says that, you know, he was carousing with prostitutes and, and all. he makes an accusation, um, but we really don't know uh, just as far as the parable goes. But um, all we do know is that he squandered his estate with loose living. Yeah. Um, now... Something that is really important to know is that if you squandered your estate to Gentiles, if you squandered your inheritance by giving your money to Gentiles, then you would be excommunicated from your community. So you get a man who squanders his estate, squanders his inheritance in a Gentile country. So later in the story, you get the sense why he doesn't want to go. Right. Um, So verse 14, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. 
Yeah. <laughs> I honestly like just just the idea of the, of the far off country. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it's when I was going my own way. It's just like I knew I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I wasn't in the I wasn't with the father, and I like had my own plan. Wanted to get hired, and you know, not not specifically hired, but I'm trying to make ends meet and trying to do my own thing, and it's just not working for me. It's basically like, and I I mean I think God did it for a purpose. Um, it's like slowly things are, it's, it's not like an immediate thing. It's not like I leave and it's like one, it's like, you know, it immediately happens where everything falls apart. It's like this slow process of just like slowly emptying, like just, just you're losing everything that you had. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like this slow process until you, you're completely emptied of yourself, completely emptied of everything that you have. Yes. And it's like this, this depravity that like leads you back to the father. And it's, uh, I, I, I can't even express in words like the emptiness on some of the days that I was doing the drugs and and the mornings, the morning after of the emptiness. I remember just driving home weeping mm-hmm. and just like the empty. I can't ex- I can't explain it. I can't I can't even put it into words. In fact, I have a hard time even putting myself back in that position, thinking back on it because it was so dark and so empty. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was raining that day, of course. And it's just like it was just I don't know. There's just something there's just something about it. But it was just it, but that wasn't like the immediate thing that happened. It was, this was a slow process of 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 moving towards that direction until yeah. I finally had to be completely empty to myself and just, just like cry out to the cry to, you know, Abba father. Like I, I just kind of being broke down slowly. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember it's, uh, actually I'll go, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. I think, uh, with the whole, the father, like wrapping his arms around him, uh, I'll, I'll go into that later, but yeah, that's, that's where I, I I'm going to keep bringing up like my, this is, yeah. Anyways, Anyways, so far, sorry. Verse, did you have something for verse fifteen? Were sent to his fields to feed the pigs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this would be something that is totally faux pas in Jewish culture, mm. totally unclean. Mm. So you get the sense that first of all, he squandered his inheritance to this culture, which would have made him excommunicated. And further, um, you know, the further sin is being around things that are unclean and being a servant to the things that are unclean, hmm. which is super, super interesting, would have probably ruffled the feathers of the Pharisees quite a bit, just hmm. thinking, okay, this dude was an idiot. Hmm. You know, he squandered his inheritance. Yeah. And then to, you know, make back the money, essentially, uh, uh, for the inheritance, goes and works yeah. uh, with unclean animals. It's it's interesting to note that, like, as we're, as, as, as he's as Jesus is going through these different things that he does in the far off land, mm-hmm. it's like, he's getting humbled that the person, the, the, the yes. young son, he's getting humbled more and more broken and down. more and more and more. Yeah. It's a really interesting picture that Jesus is like, he did this thing. It's like, Oh, that's, that's pretty bad. It's like, and then he did this thing. It's Oh, okay. That's really bad. It's just like, keeps it's like escalating in severity of what's actually going on here until he's, until he longs to eat the food of the pigs. Mm-hmm. It's like, how low can this person be? Which is interesting when you think of the context of who he's talking to. Yeah. So let's get into those verses because there is some, there's some good stuff yeah. in this in this uh, verse. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. So there is something super super interesting about this I found this going through the podcast again the the theology and apologetics podcast 
and he gave some insight um, that these pods that they would have been talking about um, were called carob pods, and they had a significant meaning within Jewish culture. Um, they were known as the food of the poor or the destitute. Um, so what they symbolized was, you know, um, they symbolized the food that Israel would eat when they needed to be in repentance. So rabbis would teach uh, with this idea of the carob pod um, as a as a meaning of Israel needing to be in repentance of their sins. Huh. Um, and only pigs, like only pigs would eat them when they're really, really hungry. So this would be something that the the map you know the 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 people who own the pigs would feed their pigs only during like a you know really really bad uh, famine yeah. yeah so yeah you get this sense that it's like okay Jesus not only you know says that he's you know he's desiring to eat the food of the pigs which is just like wow that's crazy in our in our minds but he specifically points out these pods, these these carob pods, which means, uh, you know, essentially it's the food that turns people to repentance, hmm. you know? So he chose his words very carefully right there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, anything on that from you? Mm-mm. I mean, that, that was, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I had never heard that before. Yeah. But it's, I... It's like the lowest of the low. Yeah, yeah. So you get the sense that that there's this degradation, um, that there's this increasing weight that this man is feeling, um, and that he just he's realizing, you know, bam, I I, I there's something that's got to break, right? Yeah. Especially the fact that the people said that he couldn't eat it, that he couldn't eat the food of the pigs. That he couldn't even eat the food that was meaning that he has to be in repentance, you know? That he was desiring to eat the food of repentance, you know? Interesting. Um, but he couldn't even eat it. Um, and then we get into the next verse, which a lot of uh, traditional, you know, theologians or, or preachers um, would say that this is the climax of the story, but I'm not necessarily convinced um, that this is the climax of the story. Just because there's 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 a better there's there's a better piece to it. If this is the climax of the story, um, then it's not as it it doesn't seem as powerful. Um, and it says in verse uh, seventeen, but when he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger." So a lot of people interpret that when he says. But when he came to his senses, um, that that's the turning point, that that's the climax of the story where he's he's repenting, right? He's turning from his sins. But really, you know, what it seems to be is he's just trying to find a way out, right? And you can tell that from his, from his wording is just that, how many of my father's men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? There's still this, um, you know, sense of, of you know, this oh, well, I need food, and, you know, I'm going to find a way to get that food, you I, know? I don't know if I read it the same way. I, the reason the reason being, it's like, he, 
he's he's considering looking back at what he threw away hmm. and and looking at that that even the least in my father's house were being taken care of hmm. and and i squandered that i didn't read it the same way hmm. I, I, interesting I, that's that's where i that's where i got like he, he came to his senses he's like dude like I'm eating with I mean what the I'm not even eating what the pigs are eating. I'm, <laughs> I'm longing for what the pigs are eating, but at where I where I came from, my home. Yeah. Like that's my father would feed me basically. Mhm. It's I don't know. I I think I I for me I think I I believe that that was the, I do think that was the turning point, but um I I can see how you read it where it's like it still sounds like he has ego. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's I don't know if it's necessarily just the way that that you read in read it or 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 not. But that that's just how I Yeah, and I might be reading into it. But that's that's the way that I think you know because you see um we'll get there, but the wording changes. Okay. Um when he, you know, basically aligns his speech together for the father, you know, makes, you know, makes his speech. Yeah. Um, so verse when he 18. says, I am no longer verse 19, oh, 18, Oh, 18, I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and into your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Um, so yeah, he's basically creating the speech his father um saying you know basically asking for a job you know um yeah but also from a place of humility understanding that ritually he would have been excommunicated from 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 this community from the from the agrarian community that he um had been raised in yeah Um, i I think uh i I, when i read this i read shame mm -hmm. all over it yeah like uh, make me like one of your hired servants. Like if you're going to take me back, like put me in the least, the lowest position that I can be. Mm-hmm. Make me one of your hired servants. Like I just, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to even like be called your son. Make me a hired servant at the very least. But it's, this is just the prepared speech though. Uh, we haven't gotten actually when he says it to the father, but um, so he got up and went to his father. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's an interesting, that's what he's going to say. Like that's the, and it's filled with shame. Like I know it from my own, like, like it's, I don't know. When you're in rebellion, you you're not honest. Mm-hmm. Like he and and it took him so long for him to actually come up with the the right words to say. I don't know exactly if that's right on, but uh, I know for myself, like I would have never thought of anything like that when I was when I was coming back to my father to apologize for my own actions, and like totally filled with shame. I mean, I can't. And I, my dad didn't react the same way that I think God would react for me coming back to. Coming, but not in the, not in like a bad way, but like obviously just the. I don't know exactly how to put this in in, in the right words. It's just it's just not like it's not it's my dad isn't God, you know. It's like he's not going to react the same way that I think God would would react to it. Yeah, not in a bad way, just in a different way. I don't know, um, but not bad, just different. Just different. Yeah, no, yeah, no, hundred percent. I didn't mean that in a bad way at all. Yeah, no, I definitely get what you're saying. Just. Uh, when you're coming from that place um, and when you're coming, when, when he's, you know, creating this, this speech, yeah. um, it definitely seems like it would need to come from at least to somewhat humble or, you know, self, like y- you can see where you're at, where your station yeah. is. Honest with um, yeah, exactly. You're able to be honest with yourself about your position mm-hmm. um, and that you need help. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, where I think you can kind of get the sense 
um, where, you know, either he is like coming from a total place of repentance and being like, oh my gosh, I don't know how bad my ways were, or, or you know, he's looking after his well-being. I think it can be in- interpreted both ways. Um, because I think, I think when it, when it comes from a place of, uh, you know, at least the, the looking after himself and trying to find a place where he is able to survive, um, there's this, there's this picture when it comes at the end where it's just this, this climax of, of everything that he's gone through after being separated from the father and being reunited, but we'll get into that, um. So, uh, verse 20, right? Yes. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. It's incredible. Incredible. A long way off, and he runs to him. Somebody who had taken the inheritance, been extremely rude, dishonored him, you know, something that would have been really, really just extremely faux pas in the culture he had done. He had done all these things to him, and yet the father's unmerited grace is still there, and he runs to him, and not only, you know, runs to him and and, and greets him, but he embraces him and kisses him, you know? Hmm. Definitely not the natural human response, something that is only God-inspired and 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 just totally revealing of of the father's heart just yeah. unmerited grace right just the grace that we don't deserve he gives it's it's interesting to see jesus is talking you know jesus says i and the father are one and it's kind of interesting like when you look jesus being the incarnation of god when you see jesus you are looking at the he is the physical in time representation of God. And like, mm-hmm. you can see how he reacts to people when he feeds the 5,000 and he, he has compassion on them. Mm-hmm. And just like seeing you that it's not just saying that's just, that's not just showing who Jesus is, but it's showing how the, how the father feels yeah. towards his people. It, it's, it shows more into the heart. And so you have Jesus sharing this parable about this father <laughs> and it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's giving us so much more insight. If I don't know how we would have a good we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to have a good understanding of who God is and His heart towards us mm-hmm. if if we didn't have Jesus. He's the He's the best representation of Jesus. He's the only representation of, yeah. of, of God. I mean, um, yeah. But it's the Father will welcome anybody mm-hmm. back in. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from or the things that you've done. The Father loves you and He just wants you. He just, He wants to take hold of you and and love you. And for some people. Like the the households that they grew up in, it's like they don't even have a good a good grasp, you know, a good grasp of what love even is. And so like they come to church and it's like they're trying to get right with God. And it's like they don't even have like they're like, this is kind of weird. Like I don't even know how to like <laughs> how do I even accept like how do I how do I accept this love? Like how do I even uh I, I'm having trouble. It's almost it. like you have to like you feel as if you have to work for it because you're you like you realize how unworthy exactly yes. you are of yes. this love yeah. and you're just like oh my gosh what am i supposed to do with all of this you know right um because yeah. it's obviously it's so it's it's so counter to our flesh mm-hmm. um to to know that type of love yeah you know 
Um, yeah. I, I, when I, when I was, uh, when I was coming back to the Lord, when I was 18, after I went to that, uh, I talked about it in the, our very first episode when we were talking about our testimonies. Um, and I, after I came back to the Lord, I went to this like summer camp thing for my school at the time. And when I came home, I remember it was just like the weight of my actions. Like I had trouble walking through the front door because I just, I, it was like the weight of this baggage that I've been carrying. It kind of all hit me at the same time. And I remember like walking into the kitchen. My parents were standing in the middle of the kitchen. They were talking. And I remember I like walked up to them and I just like immediately gave them a hug. They were like totally unprepared for it. They're like, are you okay? Kind of a thing. Because like I, you have to think they knew like they knew what was going on with me. There were tons of, of different instances when I was in high school of me actively being in rebellion and not wanting to talk. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And so for me to just suddenly have this like heart, like this, this emotional, cause I started crying. I, I, I hugged them both at the same time. I've never done that before. It was like really weird for me cause I, I didn't want to talk about anything that was going on in my life. I just was totally distant and it was like, I opened up to them and I just gave them this hug and I just remember crying, but I was just like, so I, I, you have to, I mean, that's with my parents and, and yeah. my rebellion to my parents, but coming back to the Lord, it's, I was so, you're, I, we are all so unworthy of the, of the grace and the love that God gives mm-hmm. us, but I can only speak for myself and like how far off I was from, from the mark. I was yeah. so far off from the mark and I, and, and it's like, God doesn't just invite you back into the house. He doesn't just invite you in as a hired servant. He invites you in as a son. Mm-hmm. He invites you in exactly where he wants you to be. Yeah. Even if you're unworthy, for, or even if you're unworthy of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's so, it's so interesting because it's like our sin removes us. Like without, without Jesus' justification, our sin would remove us so far, so far. It would separate us from the father. Yeah. Right. But because of Jesus, like he came so that we might be with the father. Yeah. And I think like when we get into the next verse where it's like the son's response, he yeah. there's there's a change of heart there. Yeah. Um, and I'll go into it. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and into your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's where it stops. And you look at the change. You look at the change um, from verse 18 and 19 where it says, I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. He didn't even care to ask his father to make him one of the hired men. He just wanted to be with the father. Right? So it's this change of like, it's sort of like what I get from it and my interpretation might be totally different than yours, is like you get this this kind of almost half-hearted apology where he understands his circumstances and he, know that he knows that he needs something. He needs something to get out of it, and but he also ne- like thinks of the worldly sustenance that he needs, right? So it's almost this like somewhat half-apology, self-serving, but also coming from a place of humility, to a place where he no longer even thinks about the worldly sustenance that he needs because he's reunited with the father. So it's like this to it's like this change where it's it's kind of, you know, kind of this this apology and 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 um but also to receive something out of it to this place where it's like I don't even care if I receive anything because I've already received so much just by being reunited with you. Mm-hmm. 
and receiving the unmerited grace that you have given yeah. me. I'm not even going to ask for anything. Exactly. I'm just here to apologize. I'm just here to apologize and, and, and accept your loving embrace that you have, you have given me, that you've run out to me and you've give, given me this loving embrace and kissed me, yeah. you know, um, whereas, you know, by any other standard, any other father would have excommunicated me from this, from the society and, and because of this, the dishonor that I have given your name. Yeah. Right. But this father, this father is different. Right. Um, so there's this heart change and like, that's the, for, for this side of the story, for the younger brother, this is the climax. Mm-hmm. This is the climax of the story where it's just like the reunification because that's really Jesus' heart. He wants to be reunified with his creation, right? right? Yeah. So, you know, all of us at one point or another who are, who are Christians, who, who are believers, have been, uh, have, have been sinners. Now, we no longer have that identity. We are, we are believers who are justified. We are followers of Christ um, who are imperfect, who still sin, but we, we are no longer labeled as sinners because we are justified by the blood of Jesus. Um, you know, and God is perfecting us. And that goes into a whole entire different topic, yeah. sanctification. Yeah, we, and we don't necessarily need to go into it, but our identity is now changed. Just like how he changes uh, his, his, the identity of the son, right? Mm-hmm. The son would have been excommunicated. He would have been all of these different things because of this, because of his sin against the father. Um, he would have had a different, a different name and he was walking in that name. You get that when, when you just get this feeling of shame, you know, and, and he's going to come back to the father all, you know, pouty face, just like hoping that the father responds nicely. But, um, the father, you know, gives him his name back. He gives him his identity back. And that's what he gives to all of the people who come to him. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should get, we should get into verse 22 because this is about what the father gives him. Yeah. And it's like the immediate, this is his immediate response. Yeah. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. So he clothes him. Yeah. He clothes him in fine robes. Yeah. And sandals, which, you know, I, it's interesting. This is an immediate thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't wait for the son to like work his way back into his grace. Yeah. It's an immediate thing. You come to the father and this isn't, he clothes you in righteousness. Yeah. And this is an immediate thing. And, and, and so like from, from my own, from my own story, when I, when I came back, it was like, I, I still had the shame that I had to deal with of the garbage that I was dealing with, but that's not the father's heart. My shame, like my, my own perspective of my own actions doesn't affect God's, his, yeah. his love and his, and his perspective of me is unconditional mm-hmm. and he loves me. And so, and so we, it's, it, there's a journey and I, I actually think it kind of plays in a part of the sanctification mm-hmm. where you're trying to lay down your view of yourself to pick up the view from the father yeah. and how the father views you yeah, and laying that. And so I had to lay that shame down to walk in his, to walk in his righteousness. I had to lay all that garbage and the baggage that I was taking with me because I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it's, a, I mean, sometimes I still have to remind myself of, it's not like I, I Oh yeah, you know, I'm, now I'm a son and I'm good to go. You know, I, I never have to think about my past again. I still have, st- there are days that I struggle with it where I still deal with the anxiety of, like, oh my gosh, my past, 
like it's going to catch up with me and no i still you know, i still like, do that yeah exactly it's that is that that's my point it's, it's that yeah, yeah, yeah. that where where we still identify as as oh i'm just a dirty sinner yeah. you know yes. because of all the things that i've done in my past and right. they but that's not the way that jesus looks at us exactly yeah it's that's 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 good yeah yeah um i just yeah that's so so he clothes him he gives him all of the like immediately he clothes him and then he says we're going to throw a feast for you which it 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 um it it's like a an echo of the verse where it's like you know all of heaven rejoices, rejoices yeah. you know when when one person is brought into the kingdom of god you know where it's like you get this this sense of rejoicing for the son has been reunited with the father you know yeah. so yeah, like it's, a, it's actually from that the, the two parables before I tell you uh, I tell you that in the same way there uh, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Yeah, it's that exact exact piece. Oh, which is why they're in the same it's the same chapter. Yeah, of Luke, you know. But <laughs> but uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think oh, I no worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, so and he's going to get the fattened calf. He's going to bring the best, and he's going to bless uh, above what what is expected right exactly. that's you know grace that's the grace there's yeah. just this this overwhelming yes. overwhelming grace yes. um, and it could have like that's the thing that is it's people t- i mean uh we're, we're we're we work in the youth the youth uh the youth group Braden's yeah. the 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 youth pastor i'm just a leader part of it and uh you know we have to distinguish between the differences between mercy and grace Mm-hmm. And it's like mercy would have in this story, mercy would have been just inviting him back into the household, but still like, I don't know. I, I think of like still working his way back up into the father's grace, just in the, just in the, you know, just in the human mindset. But, but the grace is like not only ab- abolishing the stuff that was going on, like not, not only forgiving and forgetting about the, his past, but then blessing him beyond that. And that's what we see in the father. And that's what we see in this story or this parable is that the father isn't just forgiving him for what he did, mm-hmm. but now he's blessing him even more abundantly. He's giving him more, yeah, and way more. Exactly, and that's and that's we talk about grace and how it changes us. God's grace changes us, and and learning more about His grace and and, and trying to walk in His grace because we know that we're clothed in righteousness, and it's trying to see it from His pers- perspective. Mm-hmm. And if we start seeing ourselves in that perspective that God sees us, we start to see the people around us in that perspective as well. Yeah. Where each each non-believer has the potential to be clothed in, in Jesus's righteousness mm-hmm. and loved by the Father and embraced by the Father and, and that it shouldn't be discriminated. They shouldn't be discriminated against. Like, who am I to say that somebody isn't worthy to come to, to, come to Christ? Yeah. Are worthy to be invited into the family of God because of their sin, because of their sin, or because of uh, because of anything, because of the way they look, the way they smell, the way they mm-hmm. anything, or the or the way that they talk, or how you know if they're um, you know they have a speech of, like who am I to to judge or to or to like oh, I'm not going to share Jesus with that person. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. actually honestly, it's less about those things that I just said, but like somebody that's intimidating to me is somebody that I find difficult to talk to Jesus about. Like I've uh, I. I did a small evangelizing thing when I was at that, that youth camp and there was a, there was a homeless guy, uh, but he was really intimidating. Like he looks like a scary dude. And so when I went up and I, I ended up having a conversation with him about Jesus um, and he, he ended up being a Christian guy, you know, and I think it was just an encouragement to me because he was the first guy that I saw first person that I felt like I should go talk to. And he was like, a, he, he let me pray for him. And it was like this, it was this whole thing, but like 
I didn't have this perspective of, you know, non-discriminatory evangelism, yeah. you know, where it's like some people, I don't know, it's like, but we're human, you know, we are human. And so it's, I think it's, it, it can be very easy for Christians to get in that mindset, especially the legalistic Christians. Yeah. We just talked about legalism. And I think it's, it's, it's an incredible, it's when you are so legalistic about the things that you expect in church and you have people that have no idea any of this stuff or any, anything, knowing anything about the grace that God gives yeah. or his perspective of you. And and you expect them to 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 live have already lived by that standard in order for them to be invited into that grace. It's kind of it's it's that they don't even understand how unconditional God's love is, mm-hmm. and so you already have the standard that they need to meet before they can actually come into your congregation. It's this really interesting interesting piece that I think um, I was reading from this. But it's like I'm better than them exactly. So why are they receiving holier than them? Yeah. yeah, and it's like that's not the heart of the Father. The heart of fa- uh, of the Father, like His mission, His purpose is to reunify mm-hmm. us with Him. Yeah. You know, and whatever your circumstance has been in life, you know, just just with your sin, um, no sin is. You know, my sin is not greater than Nathan's sin, and Nathan's sin isn't greater than my sin. My sin that I have done in my life has has given me the right to deserve death. And in the same way, Nathan's sin has given him the right to deserve death. Um, you know, so just that that idea. And you get in you get you get a little bit of that perspective from the older brother um, in these latter yeah. the latter portion of this parable right. um, where it says, now his older son, was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your brother has, uh, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. So the brother finds out. And the brother finds out that his brother has come and his father hasn't disciplined him. But not only has he not disciplined him, but he's brought him in, clothed him in fine robes and thrown a whole entire feast for him, yeah. right? And in the same way, you get the sense that the older brother is also in rebellion in this sense. Um, and that he really doesn't know the father. He really doesn't know the heart of the father when he gets angry um, and is not willing to go in. Mm -hmm. Now, in Jewish culture, if the eldest son was not at the, the, you know, a, a, not a festival, but the feast, the feast, if if, if the youngest uh, or the oldest son was not at a feast and was not sitting at the right hand of the father, then that was a huge dishonor to the father. So you get you get you know the son the youngest son in the beginning of the sto- in the beginning of the story dishonoring the father and then the oldest son because of circumstance um is also dishonoring the father. So both of these sons are in rebellion. Yeah. You know. I think it's interesting to point out just the the issue isn't his actions. Like oh it does it does later go into it when, when he doesn't go into his father, but yeah, but he's, you know, he says, um, where does it say? Uh, 
Oh, actually, sorry. It's it's a little bit later uh, in, in, in his response to his father. But um, it's it's Jesus is pointing out that it's not in his actions. That's the problem. It's his heart. Mm-hmm. And it's like he, he has been serving his father. He has. He hasn't. He didn't squander anything. He hasn't done any of these things. And it's it's an interesting piece where I was when I was reading through this story, what I was getting was the content, the contentment of both of the sons. One of them remains and but he's still unhappy with the circumstance. He's still unhappy with, with he's not content with what he has. Yeah. He wishes that, that the father would, 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 you know, kill the fat and calf for him and celebrate with him and, and you know, throw a feast for him. That's what he wants. And, and he's not getting that. And it's obviously it's, this is the rebuke that is going out to the Pharisees. This is a, the, you know, they're keeping the laws They're 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 or, or so they think. And uh, aside from the way that Jesus perceives Mm-hmm. the you know everything that's going on with that but um yeah the, it's you know he's keeping all of the commandments that the father has set before him and that the you know that the law he's he's keeping all of that um but the issue is his heart yeah the issue is his heart and the issue is, is that he doesn't even though he claims to be serving the father he really doesn't know the father mm-hmm. and the father the only the only thing he really wants is to know his sons you know, you see, you see the the father run run to his son, run out to his son when he is, um, you know, reunified with the younger one, and you also get this. Uh, the father is leaving the banquet um, to go, to go out yeah. to his son, right, to the older son, um, and pleads with him. So he's 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 there. So I think we we should get into the yeah yeah. Um, but he answered and said to his father, "Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat, so I might so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him." And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. It's it's an interesting piece looking at the the, the other the brother. He doesn't he doesn't have the same view of of his brother as his father does. It's mm-hmm. an interesting piece where he doesn't separate his brother from his sin. He doesn't separate, and it's the same way that the Pharisees don't separate the the tax collectors and the sinners that are sitting with Jesus from their sin. Yeah, it's a, and that's where the rebuke of the of these Pharisees is coming in, where they have a discriminatory <laughs> sense of who who needs who needs God or or who receives grace. Yes, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So it's this it's this view of oh, you know, this person doesn't receive grace because he's done all of these bad things, but you know, some people might be able to receive, you know, or you know. The Pharisees, their ideology was based behind um, you are able to follow the law completely and and essentially be saved by your own righteousness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's totally this Pharisaic mindset where he's looking down upon the man who you know had fallen away from God, but he came back, and. You know, I totally get when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and it's like, you never knew me. You know, you never knew my heart. You never knew my heart towards these people. You searched, 
you search through all of the scriptures and you never found anything because you weren't able to see my heart. You might know all these scriptures, but it's meaningless to you, mm-hmm. you know? And you you get that sense in the in the, in the heart of the older son um, when he's just like, he's looking down upon the, the younger brother. Um, and also is, you know, like you said, He's, he's not content. He's not content with the status because why is this man receiving something when I'm not? And I've done all these things, yeah. you know? Um, I think there's even a reflection of the church today yeah, in that. For we you. need to be celebratory of when somebody comes all the way out of a life that has lived in depravity mm-hmm. and comes to Jesus. We right. we need to celebrate that, yeah. you know? Um you know, and even just and the not fact. be critical of exactly of people and their problems. We we need to be human about it. You know, like I think, uh, if anything, the story isn't necessarily teaching of our state, but how we need to be more like the Father. Yeah, how we need to give in like grace indiscriminately. Yeah, you know what what I meant by be more human. Yeah, uh, I, sorry, I, I don't mean in like no no no. I I wasn't I was I was just adding just to. Yeah, I just want I just want to clarify it really. Quick. Yeah, no like when, when I say like be human about it, it's like, uh, d- you know, don't be the judge of them. Yeah. Uh, be human is is like we've all made mistakes and remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. Like for, for me, it's like I don't want to judge anybody because I know I've done some bad things. Like that. Yeah. Be humble. Be yeah. humble in yeah. your yes. status. Humble, yeah. humble enough to. Uh, in the in the previous chapter in, in chapter fourteen, Jesus says, um. The ex- uh, let, me, let me just read it. Um, really quick, really quick, really quick. Um, shoot. Uh, give me one second. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm-hmm. It's that interest. It's, it's, you need to think of yourself the way that Jesus thought of himself. Yeah. And, and, and humble yourself so low you should be as humble as the prodigal son when he's still living in depravity yeah and consider everybody above yourself everybody that walks in the door of that church of your church should be you should consider yourself lower than them regardless of of where they're how they're living right now or or any of that because if you start if you start exalting yourself above them you're going to i I believe that you're going to have this judgmental um holier than thou kind of perspective like have an understanding that that we all need. They're both sons. Both yeah. of them are sons. Even the ones that are in, in in the in your in your congregation or in your church, it's like we're we're all sons, and we all need the Father. Mm-hmm. Even when you're serving, you can still be uncontent with the way with with what you have. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't I don't I just think it's it's an interesting piece. There, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can take this parable and yeah. just in just the the way that Jesus is talking to to the Pharisees mm-hmm. and confronting the Pharisees. You know, and I, I like the last response from the father because it really leaves all of the weight. All It, it leaves the the reaction, like, what are you going to do upon uh, the son? Because the story really isn't finished. And when it says, and he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has become, begun to live and was lost and has been found. So the attitude, the attitude of the Pharisees, the attitude of the older brother is left like, like 
obviously the father needs like the the father s- sees that the heart needs to change in the older brother right to accept the younger brother but you know you see that the older brother is just like steadfast in his stance so you know Jesus is giving this this parable and it's it's basically left upon the Pharisees it's like think about this yeah how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? You know, all of all of your well, brothers and sisters in Israel need need to be saved. You know, these these people who you call sinners, these people, the the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that I'm eating with need to be saved and they need to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. Why would you basically saying why would you not support that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting cuz it's not just that it's not just this parable that he leaves open to interpretation. He gives them three separate parables, yeah. all showing. I mean, even the the parable of the lost coin. All all ten of the coins have the same value. Yeah, it's just that one of them is lost, and it, he goes and searches. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 trying to. I think I think God is trying to. Or sorry, Jesus is trying to exalt these these sinners. So trying to lift trying to lift them up in the sense of of how you perceive them and how mm-hmm. you, and who, who is worthy of yeah. of salvation or who is worthy of this grace. That every single person has innate value, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and has has in God's sight. Like you yeah. may not see people. We we don't see God, see people the same way that God sees people. Mm-hmm. But what he's trying to say here is that God puts immense value on every single person. Mm-hmm. Immense value. Um, even when they don't value themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, I don't, I liked the, I liked some of what the chosen was showing about Matthew and just like the distaste that some of the, the other disciples had towards him. Mm-hmm. And so even, even in this sense, I don't think it's just talking to the Pharisees. It mm-hmm. might be talking to also to some of the <laughs> disciples, you know, and the way that they were, the, the, the way that they would perceive tax collectors because Matthew was a tax collector. Yeah. And I think you can see by the effect that it's had on culture, it's talked to a lot, a lot of people just about the different, different circumstances that they've had in life. And I think everybody, you know, at some point or another has been, has been the prodigal and the self-righteous son, you know? Definitely. So I've been both. I will come out and admit it. You know, I've, I've definitely been both. Same. Uh, (laughs) um, Especially in the the sense of the uncontent part, you know, I'm in God's grace now and still I have issues of being content. Um, I'm still learning just as, just as Paul learned to be content in all things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm still learning, so I have a ways to go, but, uh, it's, it's a process. God's, yeah. God's working on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. There's, there's all sorts of different situations that have placed me in both camps. Yeah. Um, but you know, God is continually working on me and making me more humble and, um, just, showing me again and again just how I need to be humble in my position because nothing that I receive comes from me. Right. Um, and just that all of it is from him. Like right. I, I know I had like this, this I was talking about it earlier where it's just like there's, you know, if, uh, if somebody who's, who's really like who, who's dealing with a particular sin, um, came up to me and said, you know, what do you think about this particular sin? You know, I, I just like came to this, like I was trying to think of the answer that I would give 
um, to somebody who was who, who who's dealing with that, like what what I actually think about it. And, you know, the answer that I really came to and just, you know, I think that was just like a kind of revelation from him is like, it really doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what he thinks. And I know that like for people that come to him, he gives everlasting grace to them, you know? So like all of, all of who I am, you know, all of my, all of my value, all of my worth, everything that I know comes from him. Um, and you really just have to rest in that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that humility, the, the, the place, you know, and it, it's not easy. I can't say I'm there all the time. Um, but that place to be in is, is, is the place that you want to be in because it, it really just places you at the mercy of the father who, who is the creator of the universe. He knows all things and he does all things and he's the one who breaks us free of the chains of sin and he's also the one who breaks us free of self-righteousness and 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 thinking that we are better than than other people and all of these things. So he's he's the one who breaks us free of the chains. Yeah. So I don't know. That was a little bit of a, a bunny trail, but <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't think I have much more for this parable, but it's a really powerful par- parable, and we might even have to, you know, at some point in the far distant future, re-go over it, because there's so many things that you can touch on. And I, I, I think, you know, to really give it, you you can never really, you know, get the full meaning, because you're always going to pull different meanings. You know, out of the whole entire scriptures, you can you can go through the scriptures over and over again, and God can still be revealing stuff to you. Right. So... Um, but this is, this is the best, <laughs> this is the best that we got so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this was a really fun episode. Um, but I'll end or Nathan, do you want to end in prayer? Yeah. Cool. Lord, we just thank you for this podcast. I just thank you for your word and your truth. And I just thank you for sending your son, God, and giving us this, this, beautiful insight into your heart and and the way that you view us and your your perspective of us and um, I just thank you that that you've given us this abundance grace this, this abundant grace that we can't I mean I don't even think anybody can fully grasp this grace because it's so undeserved and and we just thank you for that today um, I just want to pray for the listeners and um, Anybody who's struggling with their faith, God, I just pray that you'd build them up and build them up in faith and and uh, just lead them towards you, God. And I just pray for humility, just like this story was telling us. Um, I just pray for humility in people that are in the church and the humility for people that are acting in rebellion of of uh, just acting in rebellion in general of of where you think you're supposed to be. I just pray that God, you would reveal where that where where we're lost and, and, and bring us back to you and just reignite our hearts for you, Lord. Um, we're longing for you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, we post every Friday at 5 a.m. Um, and we occasionally post bonus episodes, although it's been a busy, it's been a busy couple of months, so we've only been able to do um, regular episodes, but bonus episodes are posted on Wednesday at five as well. Um, we try to give the, the subjects, uh, you know, 
beforehand, but, um, you know, we've, we've been really, really busy just with everything with youth and at the church and all of all good stuff. But, um, it's, it's, it's been taking a little bit of the attention away from the podcast, but we still love the podcast. We love doing this for all of you guys. Um, another thing that you can do to support us, um, Number one, this is the most important. Please pray for us. Uh, you know, if if you can, um, we 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 love praying for you guys. But in order to make this podcast happen, uh, we definitely need prayer because we are receiving attacks from the enemy uh, left and right, just on you know a daily basis. You know, just just life. Um, but yeah, number one would be prayer. Um, there's also a subscription button. So if you want to support the podcast and just the production quality of the podcast, um, we're still, uh, receiving funding for, uh, another mic so we can invite people on the podcast, like, um, Saul and Manuela from Shared Blessings. We, we did a couple of, of podcasts, um, just on the, on, on our trip to Gambia, we definitely want to have them on just talking about their organization and their school over in Gambia, West Africa. Um, and then people like Kayla Poole, who is, uh, our admin assistant at our church, um, who we want to do some book reviews with. And, and we, we want to expand and keep on go- growing this podcast, but it, it will not happen without your guys' support. So, um, yeah, if you want to check our support the show page, it is down in the description. Um, also, another thing is um, word of mouth, spreading this to your friends, family, uh, people at the church. Um, any way that you guys, if you guys enjoy this this podcast, um, give us a shout, give us a shout out, and and uh, help us grow this podcast. Help us. Uh, you keep on going. Um, you can also uh, rate us on Spotify. I think we have five reviews so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to get out there and keep on <laughs> getting that exposure and all those things. Um, but yeah, leave an honest review. And if you if you didn't enjoy the podcast, then you know send us an email. Send like, an, like, send us an email. Send us I, things that we can improve on. We yes. we have our, our our email is talkingbiblepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also reach us on Facebook. We have uh, a Facebook at uh at Talking Bible Podcast. Um so it's pretty easy for both of those. Yeah. But we definitely would love critiques or if or you have questions. questions yeah. We we love we would love to answer questions um that you have just about the Bible or in general. And we aren't theologians by any means but we're just laymen trying to answer um questions yeah so. and if we don't have the answer it actually gives us like something to hunt for and and i think it would be very very fun actually to help like not only just answer the question but go on a journey with somebody to answer the question and yeah like, i'm totally willing to when i if i don't know something I'm, I'm i mean i'm human i don't know everything and i i would absolutely i would love to learn and 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 grow more and that actually improves my own walk with god yeah you know and so um in that same fashion i just any questions or anything anything you guys have improve you know improvements for the show or Mm -hmm. um, questions about theology or questions about the bible um or just comments just anything anything you guys thought about it or liked or whatever it is just let us know It, it it would be nice to have some feedback you know yes yeah and i think even in spotify um there's a little tab just below our podcast where it's just what do you think about the show? Mm-hmm. And in that, you can just ask us anything. I mean, 
you know, we, yeah, I totally concur with what Nathan said. Um, asking questions helps us hunt because it's like, okay, this is, you know, there's a weakness or whatever. Like we don't have this, we don't have this knowledge. So I'm going to go and seek it out so I can, so I can, you know, build this, build, build the building blocks of, of, of my faith, you know, and, 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 and really seek out and try to find the truth in, on right. those subjects. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love questions that make me really think, yeah, you know. Me too. Um, because it makes me go out and seek, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do that. Do that 100%. Um, you can also follow us on on Facebook um, if you like the podcast and all those things. You don't just have to comment, but you can give us a follow. We would love that too. Um, uh, what else? What else? Was there anything I else? It. I, I, I sounded great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, this is the Talking Bible Podcast. Um, we'll see you next week.